Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, but I'm going to get right into things uh, because I can get down rabbit trails pretty easy, but we're not going to today. I'm going to deliver a focused, powerful message that God has for you. He has something for you, so pay attention to it. We're going to turn to Mark 5.25. And if any of you have like attention deficit issues, Mark is like your book. Okay, Mark, he just gets to the point of things really quickly. He's like, suddenly Jesus did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. Like, it's, it's very one after the other. So I like Mark when I just need some action, okay? If you just need action, read the book of Mark. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to turn to Mark 5.25, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus encounters a woman with a physical condition, um, a disease that caused her to bleed continuously, Some translations suggest that she was hemorrhaging for over a decade. Uh, And if you have been in church for a while, you've probably heard of the story. And if you haven't, maybe you've never heard of this story. Um, But wherever you are right now, I truly believe and I am confident that God is going to highlight a fresh revelation for you that we can incorporate into this church and into our lives. All right, so you ready for it? All right, it's a bit of a passage, so I'm going to set the scene here. It's 2,000 years ago, first century Israel, and a large crowd has surrounded Jesus as he is working his way towards the synagogue leader's house. So he's heading to the synagogue leader's house. His name is Jairus because Jairus has come to him and begged him to pray for his daughter who is gravely ill. So these communities were tight-knit, so words spreads very quickly, and a crowd starts gathering around Jesus as he is going to the house because they want in on this action. They want to know, how is this going to play out? And I can sort of hear the chatter in the crowd. I can hear the mumbling a little bit. I can feel sort of the nervous anticipation. People want to see what's going on. I think if it were today, um, everyone would sort of be walking around with their smartphones on record. So that's what I'm doing in my imagination this morning as I read this passage. All right, so Mark 5, 24. So Jesus went with him, Jairus, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Now a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had not gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Now she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just touch his garment, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? To which everyone thought he was crazy because everyone had touched him. His disciples said to him, Uh, Jesus, can you just look at the crowd pressing around you? How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then a frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what just happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Jesus is so kind. So the title for my message this morning is Get to That Garment. 
get to that garment. Would you join me as I just pray one more time? God, I ask that the truth of your scripture would be highlighted this morning. God, whatever it is that each person here needs today, would that be what they hear? Would that be what you highlight? Would anything that is just of me and not very useful, would that just fall away? But God, would your truth just remain at the end of this morning? I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how many people here are on Instagram? That decent, decent amount. Uh, that's my social media platform of choice, basically the only one, because it takes the least amount of work for me. So that is strictly where I'm at right now. Lazy things are good. Um, and so for those of you who are on Instagram, how many people enter those giveaways where you have to like take three people and repost and do things? Not very many of you. I do it. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Is this a gendered thing, by the way? Is it because, I, is it my algorithm? Because I never see dudes like tagging each other in posts, but maybe it just doesn't. I was just wondering like, hey dude, if I repost this two night getaway at the cabin with me. <laughs> Sorry, stop it, stop it, refocus. Um, so I used to do this quite a bit. I used to tag and repost um, and I had my select like 10 people that would always get me tagging them because I knew they'd still be my friend even if I annoyed them. Um, but I never won anything. And so I started to think that maybe the whole thing was like a scam. Like, do real life people actually win these things? Like, it's like, oh man, testimony over there. But I did, I, I stopped believing it. So I stopped tagging and I stopped reposting. Uh, but then a few months ago, uh, I see some photos from my best friend and she's posting photos of her and her three children and husband at the Crazy Creek Hotel for a weekend getaway for no apparent reason. And my friend's pretty frugal. So this is not really like, matching up in my psyche. So I asked her what happened, and lo and behold, she won it on an Instagram giveaway. And I was like, okay, really? Like, for real, you didn't like know the person? She's like, no, I won it. In fact, she wins things all the time on Instagram. We're talking like coffee shop gift certificates, stampede tickets, family photography sessions, like pepperoni, like local eggs, like she wins hanging baskets. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But after listening to her stories and looking at these Crazy Creek photos, I started thinking that maybe this Instagram giveaway thing wasn't strictly a myth. <laughs> that maybe there is an actual possibility that I could win something one day. And although I'm not going crazy right now, for the sake of my Instagram friends, <laughs> I do fully now intend on entering the getaways that I am most interested in. And it's because my friend's story actually changed what I believed about something. And when I changed what I believed about something, that led to a change in my actions. And there's a scripture verse that talks about this in Romans 10, 17. And it's simply this. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And when I talk about faith this morning, I don't mean like um, I'm a Christian or a religious designation. I mean like the belief in something, that something is possible before you see it, before it exists. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the evidence of things yet seen. As in, no, we're not going to go there yet, actually. It's going to reveal it. Do we know, are there cupcakes today? I have faith that the cupcakes after church are going to be delicious, but I don't actually know that I've never tasted them. Faith, right? I wasn't sure if there were cupcakes. I'm like, I could screw up the whole post-service party. It could be bad right now. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. 
Faith comes by hearing. And this is why it is so important that we pay attention to what we are listening to. This is why it's so important that we pay attention to who surrounds us because what we hear has direct impact on our faith. Not only that, that is why it is so important that we pay attention to what we are talking about. Because if what we hear impacts our faith, then what we say, whether we realize it or not, is having direct impact on the faith of others. Now, this woman with the issue of blood, she had clearly heard about Jesus at some point, right? She had heard from someone that he had the ability to perform miracles. She had heard a rumor that the power of God was on him or in him. Now, I don't know when she heard this. I don't know if it was weeks prior she overheard people talking. I don't know if it was 10 minutes prior when she saw the crowd gathering around and someone said, he's on his way to heal the synagogue leader's daughter. I don't know. But whatever actually happened, hearing about who Jesus was and what he was potentially capable of planted the seed of faith in her spirit. I mean, that alone encourages me just to talk about Jesus more. Right? Not argue about Jesus not try to convince people to believe the exact same things I do, but simply talk about Jesus. Man, I can talk about the time that I got away from that rollover car accident unscathed. I can talk about the time that um, God healed a friend with cancer. I can talk about how we have no business owning a house, but God has financially provided miracles for us. Like, I can talk about these things. I can talk about Jesus not knowing what seeds of faith will be planted. But... Dun, dun, dun. When we read this woman's story, solely believing that Jesus was capable of healing her was not actually enough to manifest her miracle. That's because faith is not actually effective when it remains just a mental belief. Right? Faith was never meant to just be a pep talk inside of our heads. How we talk to ourselves is hugely important. Right, it says this woman said, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. If I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. It's important. But for faith to actually come alive, it cannot remain just a conviction. Right, faith is a conviction that is designed to move us into action. It's not enough for me to believe. It is possible I can win something on Instagram. I'm going to have to act on that. This principle is found in James uh, 2.14 where it says that faith without works is dead, or faith without an action tied to it has no effect. And this is something I think the majority of us get on like a natural level. Like, I believe that to get to, for certain things to happen, we have to take risks or do things. Like, okay, I believe I can graduate this program, uh, but to do that, I'm gonna have to take a test, you know? I believe that one day I can own a house, but I should probably meet with a mortgage broker. Right? All these things. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take thing. Thank you, Gretzky. Right? So it makes sense in the natural world that if we want something, there's action required on our part. But it seems like when it comes to the supernatural world, that's not the default response. Right? It's like we think that maybe perchance one day if God could potentially perform a miracle in my life, maybe if he does that, well, then it's entirely up to God. It's totally in his hands. But when I read the Bible, the Old and New Testament, it appears so many times it's not actually just up to God. 
yeah, of course God is the one who has the power to perform miracles. Of course it has to be within his will, his purposes for the world. But all throughout scripture, there are stories of God requiring and asking his people to make a move to release the supernatural into the natural world. Like that woman, sometimes God is asking us to press through a crowd, to reach through something, to take a risk. Right? The faith that God gives us, because he's all given us a measure of faith, it is not meant to stay in abstract belief, but it is a force that propels us into action. So your miracle requires movement. Everyone say, my miracle requires movement. Thanks. That's the preachiest thing I'll do today. That woman believed Jesus could heal her. She heard of what he could do. She talked to herself to build up her faith, and then she went for it. She was going to get to his garment. And I don't think we could ever comprehend how risky this was for her. At that time and in that culture, if you were a woman who was bleeding, whether because you're menstruating or another disease, you couldn't participate in anything. You couldn't even go to church. Right? You would have been expected to avoid close contact with people, especially men. Plus, there's this concept that if you were impure because you were bleeding and you touched someone else, then now they're impure, so they now have to go through all this ceremonial stuff, which is hypothesized why she didn't try to touch Jesus' body. She didn't want to make him impure. She was thinking about Jesus. So this woman, she shouldn't have even been there. She should have been keeping a safe distance from that crowd. Right? Not only that, you know the guy Jairus who was with Jesus on way to his house? He was actually the one who could get her in the most trouble for breaking these laws. Right? No wonder when Jesus asked, like, who did I just heal? <laughs> that she was hesitant to respond. Like, hey, Jesus, it was me, the person who's not supposed to be here. Hi, Jairus, don't kill me. Like, But she was desperate enough that the risk was worth getting to Jesus, getting to his garment. Right? Desperation is not always a terrible thing if we can use it to pursue Jesus with all that we have. What if we determined that every time we started feeling desperation rise up, that we would do whatever it takes to get to Jesus? I've wondered... And I don't know this for sure. This is just something I've wondered. I wondered if that woman was early on in her disease, like if she had just got her diagnosis, if she would have been bold enough to make that move, to take that risk yet. If she hadn't tried all her options yet or spent all her money yet. But after 10 years, after spending everything she had, after likely being ostracized from friends, family, church, after having no identity, after being lonely and isolated. You know, to say she was desperate was probably an understatement. But I think we all know that when our options run out, we get more willing to do things we wouldn't normally do. (laughs) You start to care less about what people think of you. You, The potential social risks don't have as much sway on your decisions. Desperation doesn't always have to be our enemy. In fact, the whole context of the situation is because Jairus, the synagogue leader, was desperate. He faced his own consequences by associating with Jesus. You know, when your kid is sick, you don't really care about your job status. 
When your kid is sick, when it looks like they're dying, you don't really care what anyone thinks about you. You just want them better. So when he heard that maybe, just maybe, Jesus could do something about it, he pursued Jesus with all that he had. He fell at his feet, and he begged him to come heal her. And this issue of woman was the same. She was willing to take the risks of things going incredibly wrong to get to Jesus. So my prayer is that when we feel that desperation starting to rise up, that we would do the same. Now, this specific story this morning is about physical healing. And I know of people in this room that really could use a physical miracle, physical healing. But I also know there's all kinds of miracles needed and desired and longed for. Relationship miracles, financial miracles. And I think for so many of us, breakthrough you know, has seemed so unlikely for so long that we haven't really made any moves lately. Right? We haven't really pressed through any crowds We haven't really reached very hard or took social risks or let ourselves get uncomfortable in order to get into Jesus' presence, right? We we might still ask God to do his part. We might still pray that he would do the miracle, but we haven't done anything to actually partner with him in bringing that miracle to pass. I I realized this past week while I was preparing for this, because that's usually how that works, um, is that there's someone in my life who... I want so badly to know Jesus. I want them to have a relationship with Jesus so bad. I want them to to feel his life, his presence, his freedom for them. And I've wanted this for a long time and so long now that it seems very unlikely that this will ever happen. And although I still pray for this person weekly, although I've tried to sort of keep faith, like God can do anything, um... Yeah, I found that I'm like the woman with the issue of blood and that I've talked to myself, like God can do this, God can do this, but I'm not like that woman in that I haven't actually made a move lately. Faith requires movement. So this week, although I'm admittedly terrified to pray this, I've started praying the prayer, God, what does it look like to get to your garment in this situation? What does it look like to get to your garment? What does that mean for me? Is there a risk maybe I need to take? Are there people whose opinions maybe I need to have to choose not to worry about? Are there maybe some social rules or expectations that I need to let go of? Because there is breakthrough. There are miracles available. We have a God who is more than capable Jesus is more than willing. we got to get to his garment, whatever that means in our context and in our situation. And this is, why, this is why getting to church is so important. This is why gathering with his people, worshiping is so important. This is why reading uh, the red letters, the words of Jesus is so important because he's in here. He is in those words where two or three are gathered. He is there. That's where he is. That's where we get to his garment. Matthew 7 7 says, uh, keep on seeking and you will find. Knock on the door, keep on knocking and he will answer. And as I continued reading um, my devotions this week, I was going through Mark. Actually, I think I'm going to close on this. But it's my favorite part, so nobody tune out. (laughs) As soon as the preacher says close on this, I'm like, I shut my journal, I readjusted my chair. Don't do that. Nope. Don't do that. Not yet. (laughs) 
So I was reading Mark, and I noticed something I had never seen before, which continuously surprises me as like a girl who was born in, on a church pew, basically. It's like, oh, that's been in the Bible the last 35 years? Didn't realize that. So Jesus, he heals this woman with the issue of blood, which obviously is a bit of a scene in a good way. Uh, then he goes on to raise a young girl from the dead, and then uh, he returns to his hometown, causes some drama in the church there. He feeds 5,000. He walks on water. This is all within one chapter in Mark. See what I'm talking about? Just, like, just get the point. Uh, so this next verse that we're about to pick off is when he had just finished calming the storm and walking on water, and they have docked the boat. Okay. And we're picking up in Mark chapter 654. All right, listen to this. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran through that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever he heard, they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his garment. And all who touched it were healed. There is no indicator of anyone trying to touch his garment to get healed before that woman. No, I think the chances that every person in this room would like a miracle are pretty high. Each of us would like Jesus to move on our behalf. And I believe God wants to move on your behalf. But you and I, when we act on our faith, is actually a part of a much bigger picture than our own individual lives. There is a ripple effect when we act on the faith we have. With the faith of Jairus, the synagogue leader, his faith, him moving on his faith, created the circumstance that that woman then moved on the faith she had. And then when she moved on the faith that she had, it unlocked a whole new set of miracles for people who didn't even know that touching his garment was an option. Where people didn't even know that was something you could believe for. This woman faith, her risk, her effort to get to his garment triggered a whole new set of miracles, of lives changed, of destinies beyond what she was asking for, beyond what she could have hoped for. And I know, I am the first to say, it is so hard to see beyond our own lives sometimes. It is so hard to see beyond our personal circumstances, our own needs, what we're going through. But when we are obedient, when we push ourselves to act on the faith that we have, no matter how small or insignificant it seems, by acting on the faith that we have, we are joining ourselves to a bigger story of expanding the kingdom of God here on earth. And I don't mean that in a big term, like over in Africa. I mean here in Vernon. It is vital that we press through our fears, that we take some risks, that we get to his garment in the situation that we are in. Because the eternal effects and the effects on the people around us are so much greater than we can see right here and right now. Right, your breakthrough, your, your future miracle, your future story of God showing up is key to unlocking someone else's miracle. Man, the miracle that I have in my mind, the miracle that God is going to um, partner with me, the miracle of my friend getting saved, that matters to me. And that matters to God. But it also matters to the people around you. Right, we got to get to that garment. I'm going to close on one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And one of my favorite verses is one that both inspires me and frustrates me. 
And it's 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Another version says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. But for that to happen, we need to get into his presence. We've got to pursue Jesus. We've got to let ourselves be desperate for him. We've got to take some risks. We've got to reach out of it. We've got to push through some crowds and do some things maybe we normally wouldn't do. So this morning... Uh, there's two groups of people I would love to pray for. And I'll have some, my prayer team, my prayer team, my personal prayer team. Uh, the prayer team at this church, the Elbrams and Josiah today. First of all, I want to pray for anyone who has a specific miracle that they need in their life. Whether physical healing or financial or whatever that is. Because me, my, my action of getting to his garment this morning is starting to believe that God will perform miracles in this church. And that if I pray for people, who knows what God will do? That's me taking a risk. That's me being uncomfortable, just for the record. This is not like what I do for fun, okay? But perhaps for you getting to your garment is coming forward and saying, God, I need some more boldness. I need you to show me what that move is. I need you to show me what it looks like to reach through that crowd and touch you. And if that's you... If you just need to know what that is, if you just need to know what it looks like that you need to hold on to or let go of, if you need to know what it looks like to get to that garment, then I'd love to pray for you as well, that God would show you what that means and what that is. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.